0: Thank you so much, Stan. I appreciate your leadership and uh, to the whole pastoral search committee, all the work you guys have put in, all the prayer that you guys have put in, and, and I'm just very, I, I'm so thankful. Uh, n- never in our wildest dreams did we think we'd be standing before you today. Uh, I remember at the end of our, of our interview, uh, the team said they were looking for a, uh, they pulled out an acronym. Uh, they, they said, they were looking for a hot pastor. And I thought, What? <laughs> And it, it was an acronym. It said humble, open, and transparent. Hot. I was like, okay, well, I can do that. Good thing it wasn't. We're looking for a handsome pastor or something like that. Whew! I don't know if I'd be qualified for that. But no, we're we're so thankful. We're we're grateful to be standing before you today, uh, Angie and I, and and uh, we we are just honored uh, because this is this is a special place. This church has always been a special. This is a. Uh, There's nothing special about this platform, but this is a special platform to our family. Uh, Angie was dedicated on this platform uh, as a as a child. Um, We were let's see, maybe about right here. We were married. On, on this platform. This is a special platform. Uh, this is where we began our call into ministry. Uh, this was the first platform we got uh, to preach from, and, and we were trusted. I still look back at that now like, man, you just trusted this green guy out of, out of college, and, and, uh, but I'm so thankful. Uh, this is where we dedicated our, our kids at. Uh, this, is, this is a special platform, and today, you know, we feel God's call. We feel God's call in our life to use this platform to continue building his kingdom. And that's why I stand in front of you today, but, but this all started not at this platform, but it started at another platform for me. And actually, it, it was at a platform, and maybe about, you know, right in front of you, Stan, uh, it was about right over here, I remember. I was a freshman in high school, and I was at Iowa Youth Convention. And there was an altar call that night. And I I don't know, I couldn't even tell you, I don't know what the guy preached. I don't know who was preaching. Uh, I don't know what the message was about. I don't know what the altar call was about. All I know is that I was hungry for Jesus and no matter what, he could have said whatever. I was gonna be the first one down to the altar. That was just kind of the way I operated. I was hungry for Jesus. And I was at an altar at, at Iowa Youth Convention and I mean, the tears were flowing. The snot was flowing. I feel bad for the person who had to come and pray after me. Hopefully the janitor got it. But I mean, God was moving in my life. And I don't even remember what I was seeking him for. I was just seeking God. I want more of you. And it was in that moment that God spoke to me. I mean more clearly than I've ever heard before and probably ever heard since. And God called me into ministry that night. He said you're going to you're going to be a pastor. I was like, "Well, that's not what I was going up here for, God." You know, and you're you're going to you're going to reach youth. You know, that was definitely a big big part of my call and and, and he said you're going to you're going to preach to hundreds of people. I was like, I've never never really preached in front of people before, maybe once or twice, you know, but this was new to me. And, and the big thing at the end of it is like, I'm calling you to do something that's beyond you. That's beyond your capabilities. It's beyond your talents. And the only way you can do it is if you rely on me. <laughs> that was a big day. That was a big moment. That's where it really all, all started for me. And, and, and it was just, all right, God, I trust in you. I believe in you. So I went, I went back, you know, to the room that night, and I told our youth pastor. I told my friends. I went back home and I told my parents, and uh, man, I was just, I was hungry for God. God, how can you use me? God, I, I don't feel worthy to be called to something like that. I don't, I don't feel worthy of that. And I, I just tried to do everything I could to jump into ministry, to do what God had called me to do. You know, be a student leader, do some internships at our church. Uh, I remember I started a Bible study at school. My senior year of high school, they, uh, I'm not sure what they were thinking, but they, they had us, let us have an independent study class where literally you signed up and you picked whatever topic you wanted to study the entire semester, and then all you had to do to pass the class was give the presentation at the end. You know, so most people were sitting around playing video games the whole time and all that, but, you know, I really wanted to, to do this well, and so the topic I picked was Ministry. Ministry. And, and the whole time, all I did for an entire semester was research. Is this really what you have for me, God? Is this really what you want me to, to get into? Is this really what you, you have for my life? And uh, my conclusion on my final paper in the class was that I wouldn't be happy doing anything else other than reaching people for Jesus Christ. I mean, that was, that was just like, God, you called me to this, and I can't escape it. I, I can't run from it. This is what you have for my life. I could do a lot of other things, but, but God, I know that ministry is where I need to, to go into. And uh, so we went off to Trinity Bible College. Uh, that's where I met, met Angie. So thank you for, for loaning her to me. And now I get to keep her. And, and uh, you know, so I met Angie. And now suddenly my calling became our calling. You know, this was something that we were going to do together. And, and we committed to do uh, for life. And we, we jumped into ministry even before we were married. We were youth leaders here and, and uh, jumping into things. And, and uh, I actually went back to one of my papers from college this week. And 12 years ago... I wrote this, I said, wherever the Spirit leads, we will go because we are one and we're in ministry together. And today we're still following that call. Wherever the Spirit leads, that's where we're going to go. That's what's led us uh, to be here today and that's, that's our commitment. Wherever, wherever God leads, we're going to go, we're going to be faithful. And like I said, I never thought we'd be here today. I never thought we'd be on this platform today. But in the last five months, we've felt the Holy Spirit leading us like we've never felt before. We feel called to the people of this church. I've always known that you guys are nice people. I've always known that. From the, from the moment I walked in uh, to this, this sanctuary, it was nice and orange back then. Now, now, now. we've changed the colors a little bit. But I, I just felt like I was at home. And uh, I've always known nice people, right? We've got, we've got good people here. But over these last five months, I've noticed how hungry you guys are for Jesus. All right, you're, not, you're not here just to check the box. You're not here just to keep the pews warm. You're here because you want more God. We, we've seen people hungry for the Holy Spirit. We've seen people asking questions. We've seen people responding to the altar. And, and this church is full of people who are hungry for Jesus, and that's a great thing. That's a great thing. That's what I'm excited about. We feel called to this community. We feel called to this community. Uh, I mean, what a mission field that we have. We've got 28,000 people here in Aberdeen, and a lot of them don't know Jesus Right? We got a lot of people to reach, but it's not just Aberdeen, right? You guys are from all over the place. We, we we can't just reach our city because Aberdeen isn't just our city. It's more than that. We we need to reach Groton. We need to reach Leola and Frederick and Redfield and Ashton and Ipswich and Westport and Wakota and Roscoe and Northville and Mina, Millette, Mansfield, Falkton, Ellendale, Crestbard, Columbia, Bristol, Bath, like we're from all over, right? God's called us to this region and, and we need to reach out. There's a lot of people who don't know Jesus all over the place, and we feel called to this community. And one more thing that the Holy Spirit's really been impressing on us, I told you earlier, you know, God really called me, you know, youth ministry was one of the first things he put on my heart. And, you know, I'm just thinking like, okay, God, where where is this? Because we always felt like, you know, youth is going to be on our heart, but that's not going to be the forever thing that God has us in. And as we've, we've, stepped into this role and seen a bigger picture of the church, we've realized, well, if we're going to reach the next generation of people, we got to reach every generation. We can't reach the next generation if, if If the previous generation isn't reached either. Like we've got to reach kids. We've got to reach youth. We've got to reach young adults. Uh, We need to reach young married people. We need to reach parents, grandparents, great-grandparents. Because we can't reach kids if if we don't have adults who are reached. We we can't reach teenagers if the grandparents are reached. We can't reach young adults. It takes all these generations working together. We want to be a multi-generational church. Not just a church full of little bubbles and little pockets. No, we're called to be the church. We're, we're all in. We're all together, and, and I believe that God is calling us to something, something greater. And I'm excited to see what He's got for us. The more connected we are from generation to generation, the more stronger and, and the, the stronger and more effective that we'll be in, as part of God's kingdom. Because that's what it's all about: is growing God's kingdom. So today, if you got your Bibles, I want you to open them up to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to be talking about the kingdom of God, the, the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew 13, uh, it, it's full of parables that, of Jesus, these stories about familiar things about farming, about fishing, about all these things that people would understand, they'd have a grasp of so that Jesus could tell them deep spiritual truths out of these, uh, these little stories that people could hold on to. And so Jesus is—he's out there preaching all day. Uh, in fact, it said he had to go out on a boat because there was just so many people. Uh, he preached to people from a boat, and at the end of the day, he goes back and is with a smaller group. He's with his disciples, and his disciples were just like, "Oh man, Jesus, that was really good. You know the whole story about farming and 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 the seeds and the planting. Like we loved it, uh, but." could you explain it to us as though we were kindergartners? I mean, could you just dumb it down a little bit for us? And so Jesus, he goes and he explains all the parables that he had been preaching about that day, and he goes on to give one more parable, and and this has got to be one of my favorite parables, one of my favorite stories that Jesus told, and it's only, only one verse long, but that's because it's about a treasure hunt. I mean, who doesn't love a good treasure hunt, right? I mean, back in that day, They were in Israel, this land that had been captured, this land that, you know, had been destroyed and rebuilt multiple times. And back then they didn't have banks necessarily, so a lot of people probably just dug a spot in the backyard or in the field and buried what they had to make sure that the the conquering people didn't come and get it. So the disciples, they probably heard stories of people finding these hidden treasures, you know, before they're out there plowing the field and then all of a sudden, you know, Joe Schmo strikes it rich. You know, how exciting would that be? Maybe they had dreams of like, one day, I'm going to find a treasure, and it's going to be a great day. Still today, we, we still have that feeling of, I mean, who doesn't want to be Indiana Jones? Or, or find a treasure map on the back of the Declaration of Independence, right? Or find One-Eyed Willie's treasure and be one of the Goonies. Like, who doesn't like that? Like, we love treasure hunts. So I think when Jesus told this parable, the disciples' ears maybe perked up a little bit. So in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, Jesus tells this parable. He says this, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had, and he bought that field. So it's real short, just, just this one sentence long. But think about that. How exciting would that be? You're, you're walking along one day. You know, this guy, he's just walking out in the field, and then all of a sudden, he steps and he realizes that doesn't sound like dirt you know there's there's something there, so you know he gets down there and he starts he starts digging and he starts pulling away and realizes this this isn't a rock like this is this is made out of wood or you know whatever like there's there's a box down here, so he starts digging a little faster, and eventually you know he pulls out this 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 treasure chest, just wouldn't that be exciting? you are think, okay, what's in it? You know, and you open it up and i can I can just picture it, you know. He starts opening it up and it just starts glowing, right? That's the way it happens in the movies, isn't it? It just starts glowing and you just hear this angelic chorus of like, ah! and he's opening it up and it's this great treasure. Now the problem for him was though, back in Jesus' day, the, the laws of finders keepers hadn't been enacted yet. Um, so that was kind of a bummer. So just because he found it doesn't mean he got to keep it. Back then, whoever's field it was in, that's who was the rightful owner. And, you know, if, if all of a sudden Joe shows up at the market the next day wearing a gold chain around his neck, they'd be like, uh, who'd you steal that from, right? So he had, to, he had to go about this legally. So it said that he buried the treasure again. He put it back, you know, tried to make sure that nobody else would find it, you know, maybe put some branches over there, just make it look undisturbed. And then it said that he went back home. And in his joy, he sold everything that he had. Got rid of it all. Because he knew that that treasure was worth more than anything that he had in his possession. So he happily, he, he gladly went and sold everything that he had. Think about how hard that would be today if you were just to go home and God told you, sell everything. Sell your house. Sell that car that you saved up to buy or those precious family heirlooms. Just get rid of it all. But this guy felt that the treasure was so valuable that it was worth the risk. It wasn't even a risk at all. It was, it was just plain and simple. It was logical. I'm going to sell everything I can because that treasure is worth so much. I'm going to go buy that field so that treasure can be mine. So let me give you three things uh, quickly this morning about what we can learn from this passage. And the first one is this. The kingdom of heaven is valuable. The kingdom of heaven is valuable. says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure. It's like treasure. The kingdom of heaven is valuable. What is is the kingdom of heaven that they're talking about? What's the kingdom of heaven? What's Jesus talking about? Because that's not something that we use every day. If somebody were to come up to you today after church and they said, hey, what kingdom do you belong to? How would you answer that? Uh, I don't know, America? You know, that's, that's the kingdom I belong to? Uh, what is it? And so in the kingdom of man, right, the one that we're in currently, the kingdom of man, we elect presidents, we, we elect rulers, and we allow them to rule over us and, and tell us what to do and, and set the laws. And, but in the kingdom of heaven, we're not ruled by man. God is our ruler. God is in charge. God is our authority. We look to him. We, we obey him. And notice here that it doesn't say heaven is like treasure. It says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure. See, heaven is a place that we're going to go to one day after we die. Heaven is a place where we get to spend uh, eternal life if we've been following Jesus. But the kingdom of heaven is something we can experience right now. We, we don't have to wait until we die. We can allow God to be our ruler now. Now. We can, we can be in the presence of Jesus uh, 24-7. We can allow God to be our ruler. We can experience it today. When we choose to stop following our own ways and we start choosing to follow God's ways and we make him our ruler, we can be part of his kingdom. In fact, in Colossians chapter 1, it says this, For God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. See, really, there's only two different kingdoms that you can be a part of. Either the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of darkness. And when we choose to follow ourselves, we're following the kingdom of darkness. We're we're following the devil. We may think that we're following ourselves, but man, the devil's pulling the strings on us. And that's only going to lead us to to hell. It's only going to lead us to death. We wanna be a kingdom of heaven. We wanna be a kingdom of heaven. And being part of the kingdom of heaven, it's valuable. It's a treasure hidden in a field. And the nice thing about the kingdom of heaven, I love this, the kingdom of heaven has the best membership perks of any club you're ever going to find. I mean, just the best. You, You might be part of the most exclusive club here on earth, but it doesn't have perks like the kingdom of heaven, right? Just think about this. No other club, no other membership offers forgiveness. Forgiveness of your sin. No other membership, no other club offers a clean slate. a a new beginning, forgiveness. Through the kingdom of heaven, when we follow Jesus, all of our regrets, all of our mistakes, Jesus can turn them around and and we can live without regrets. He redeems us. He gives us that clean slate. He gives us the power to avoid temptation in our lives, the power to overcome sin in our lives. We have forgiveness through Christ. I mean, if that was the only perk, it would be worth it to be part of the kingdom of heaven, but he doesn't stop there, right? Now, through the kingdom of heaven, we have access to the Father. We have access to the God of the universe. You can, you can stop right now, and we can pray, and God hears us. What a perk, right? What, what an amazing opportunity to be part of the kingdom of heaven. We, we're all part of America, but good luck trying to get five minutes with the president, Right? You know, you could keep calling and keep calling, and you might spend your whole life just trying to even get five seconds in front of the leader of our country, and uh, you may never accomplish that goal. But yet, in the kingdom of heaven, you can you can spend all day with God. He He's right there for us. I mean, what what an amazing what an amazing opportunity. He's way cooler to hang out with than the president is. You know, God God's amazing. We've got access to the Father. We've got access to the Father. Another membership perk is we have power in the Spirit. We've got power. I mean, we've got the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that we would receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on us. Power to to spread his name, uh, a newfound boldness, power to do the impossible, power to do miracles, power to see people healed, power to see restored, uh, power to, God gives us words that we can't even come up with on our own. He just enables us and, and he gives us the right things to say we've got power in the Holy Spirit. Nobody else can offer that. Only God can. Only the kingdom of heaven. I mean, the list could go on and on. Uh, We could talk about his unconditional love, his peace in the midst of turmoil, joy in the face of pain, purpose and meaning in your life. And we could keep going all day about all the different membership perks there are about being part of the kingdom of heaven. There's nothing else like it. There's nothing else like it. The kingdom of heaven is valuable. It's valuable. More than any treasure, more than anything this world has to offer. Which leads me to ask this question. If it's so valuable, I mean, if it's the best place to be a part of, then, I mean, why isn't the whole city flocking this place this morning? Like, why isn't, why, why isn't every seat full today? Why aren't people banging on the doors of the church? Tell me more. Let me have this treasure. Why not? Like, it's literally the greatest thing that, that anybody has to offer out there. Eternal life. See, the second thing this morning from this passage we learn is that the kingdom of heaven is hidden. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. See, many people are out there, they're looking for answers. They're looking for, for those, those perks, so to speak. They're looking for eternal life. They're looking for forgiveness. They're looking for a, a clean slate. They're looking for, for access to the creator. They're looking for power out there, but they're, they're looking in all the wrong places. And and they're trying to find those things, but trying to do it their own way. There's so many isms out there, you know, Buddhism, atheism, Hinduism, you know, you've got all these isms, all these things uh, that people are trying to search for. This is the answer. This must be the way. This must be the path. But the only way to heaven the only way, the only one who has the keys to the kingdom of heaven is Jesus. That's the only way we get in. It's only through Jesus. So the answer may be right in front of us, but we've got just so much other stuff, so many other options out there that we don't realize that there's really only one option. I mean, in America, we've got so many choices. We've got so many people telling us, this is the right way to live. This is the way. If you want this, this is, this is how you get it. Now, I've never found a a treasure in my life, you know, that'd be cool, you know, someday just out there digging or out there with a metal detector. Any metal detector people in here, you know, that just, that looks fun. That sounds exciting, right? But I've never found anything like that. The closest thing I've found to a treasure happened one day at a thrift store, all right? Anybody ever find some treasures at a thrift store? That, that's the closest to treasure hunting I've been. So I'm out at a thrift store one day, and uh, every thrift store has got like the giant bookshelf full of books that nobody wants. You guys know what I'm talking about? And so I'm staring at that giant bookshelf full of books that nobody wants, and, you know, they're all old or weird or, you know, something else. And I get to the bottom, and I scan through all these books, and at the very bottom, there was this really exciting book called Algebra 1. <laughs> Who else doesn't get excited about a math textbook, Right. Now, hundreds of people, they've looked at this bookshelf probably that day, probably over the last few weeks, and and most people aren't going to get excited about a math textbook on the bottom of a thrift store shelf. But guess what? I was really excited. I was super excited to find that one. Not because I love math, because I do, but it wasn't about the math, it was because I had just sold that same book on Amazon for over $100 earlier that day. (laughs) A lot of people had a chance to find that book. But nobody knew the value of it except me that day. So guess what? I bought that book and that was sold and I had $100 in my bank account later that day. It it was a good thing. It was a hidden treasure, right? But but in our life, it's the same way. In America, we've got so many options. That bookshelf is full of all the different ways that we think, this is how you can get to heaven. This is how you can do this. This is how you you can have peace in life. This is how you can have joy in life. This is who you need to follow. But in reality, there's only one book on that shelf that matters. And it's this one right? It's the Bible. There's only one that's got value in it. There's only one that can get you all the way, and that's through Jesus Christ. The kingdom of heaven is hidden. It's hidden. It's, it's out there with all those other options, and, and that's why That's why we can't stop telling people about the gospel. We can't stop letting people know there's only one way to heaven and we want you to be a part of it. We don't want you to miss out. We've got joy. We've got peace on our side. We've got purpose. We've got meaning. We've got forgiveness and we want you to be part of that. The kingdom of heaven is hidden and we need to try to make it unhidden. We need to unearth those treasures and shout it out to everybody like, here's the valuable one. Come on over here. We've got what you need. See, he was even hidden when Jesus was on earth here. Jesus physically walked. He was in the flesh, but yet many people missed it. Many people missed it. In John chapter 1, it said Jesus was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And even when Jesus walked this earth, People didn't realize who he was. People didn't realize that he was God. And the same thing's happening today. But yet Jesus still says to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he, he gives us the right to become his children. He gives us the right to become part of the kingdom of heaven. And that's such good news. But we've got we've to unearth this thing. We've got to show the world. We don't want, want this good news to be hidden any longer. Third thing. The kingdom of heaven is worth giving up everything for. The kingdom of heaven is worth giving up everything for. said, when the man found the treasure, he hid it again. And in his joy, he went and sold all that he had to buy the field, to buy that treasure. Because he thought that this treasure is so great, it's worth giving up everything for. Everything for. Most people, they would have a hard time letting go of their, their life's work. They have a hard time letting go of their stuff. Uh, I know we experienced this for a very real, uh, very real moment. Uh, a few years ago, we had a garage sale. And the whole week, we tried to keep the kids out of the garage uh, because it was all their old toys and old clothes and all that stuff. But somehow, they got through the security system, and they snuck out into the garage during the sale. And oh, man you can't give this away. Like, it doesn't even fit you anymore. Like, what are you talking about? Like, this is my favorite toy. You haven't touched it in two years. Like, we're going to sell it to somebody else. It was to the point they were like, we'd rather be thrown in the garbage than somebody else use that. (laughs) You ever been there before? You know, it's just like, we have a hard time letting go of our stuff. We have a hard time letting go of, uh, of things. We become attached to it. But this guy willingly said, you know what? Even though this stuff's important to me, there's something greater out there. There's something greater, and I need to have that. It said he didn't have a hard time letting go of his stuff. He was joyful to let go. This was the best day of his life. He had found something so valuable that it was worth trading everything for. The kingdom of heaven is a priceless treasure that is to be valued above and desired above all else. It's so valuable that our natural response should be, God, I'd give up everything to follow you. Have you come to that decision yet? Have you realized how valuable the kingdom of heaven is? Have you realized how valuable that relationship with God is that you'd be willing to give it all? See, this treasure, the kingdom of heaven, the good news that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that we might have eternal life and access to the Father and power through the Holy Spirit, this is the treasure that's worth giving up everything for. And it was in that that moment at the altar for me, That's when I realized this is worth giving up everything for. And we stand before you today, still saying the same thing. The kingdom of heaven is worth giving up everything for. It's worth giving up everything. And putting all other holds on or all their plans on hold and just saying, God, I, I want you. It's worth giving up everything for. I like the way Paul puts it in Philippians chapter 3. He says this, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Just think about that. Paul, when he discovered this treasure, the kingdom of heaven, he said everything else, all the the status, all all the riches, all, all the titles in the world, garbage. Compared to Jesus... Man, this stuff is just nothing. I can't take my stuff with me to heaven. I can't take my title. I can't take my status with me to heaven. But, but I, can, I can take eternal life to heaven. I can take Jesus. That's the only thing that matters is my relationship with Christ. So let me ask you this morning. Have you personally discovered how valuable the kingdom of heaven is? Have you discovered, not has your wife or your husband discovered it, not have your parents discovered it, have you discovered it? Have you discovered how personally valuable the kingdom of heaven is? And are you willing to give up everything for it? Are you willing to go all in for Jesus? Because, again, on, on the scale of eternity, when you look at things in the macro, all that matters is Jesus. All that matters is our relationship with God. All that matters is that we have this treasure, that we can be part of His kingdom. That's all that matters. Now the interesting thing about this parable is that it can be interpreted more than one way. Because in the same way um, Jesus he looks down on this Earth and he sees you and he sees me, and when he sees that, he, we might be covered in some dirt. we might be in a messy field, but when he looks at you, he sees a treasure. He sees something valuable. So valuable, in fact, that the Bible says that he was willing to give up everything. That he, he gave up, you know, heaven for a moment. He could have just sat up there comfortably, but he came down to earth in flesh, in human form. And he lived a perfect life. And he went and he gave up his life. He died on a cross. He died a painful death. He took on our sin. So that we could have new life, so that we could have a second chance, so that He could clean up that treasure and, and show its true value. That's what Jesus did for us. We may be dirty, we, we may have some mud on us, but Jesus sees your value this morning. And He cares for you. And he said, I'm willing to give up everything for you, I'm willing to give it all up. So even right now, let's just, let's just take a moment. And I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the gospel this morning. So would you, would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes with me? If there's anybody in this place today, and you know you just need to be part of the kingdom of heaven, you're tired of living on your own, you've made wrong decisions, and it's time to just say, God, I want to make you my ruler. I want to make you my Lord. I, I want to have some of those membership perks. I want forgiveness today. I want, I want your power. I want access to you, God. I want that peace. If there's anyone in this room today and you just need Jesus, I, I want to pray with you. Would, you. would you raise your hand and catch my eye? I want to pray with you this morning. Anybody on the main level? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody in the balcony? If you're online, just you can put your hand up online too. We'll pray with you. Well, let's just pray. Would you, would you just pray this with me again? It's not a, a magical prayer. Just pray it from the heart. And everybody's going to join in with us. So just, dear Jesus, I want to be part of the kingdom of heaven. I want to make you Lord. I want to make you my ruler. I believe that you died and rose again. Would you forgive me of my sins? In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning uh, and, and you meant it from the heart, I believe that God is, is doing an incredible work in you. says there's rejoicing in heaven and now you get access to all those membership perks of what God is doing. If you did raise your hand, I'd love to chat with you afterwards and, and pray with you. We've got some resources that, that uh, we want to get in your hands, but, but God is doing some incredible things and I'm so grateful for the, to be part of the kingdom of heaven. I'm so grateful, I'm so thankful, and it's worth giving up everything, everything for, everything for. See, I believe that that reaching our city and telling the world about Jesus so they can have new life, spend eternity in heaven, I believe that's worth giving up everything for. And I believe we're part of a church that believes the same thing. It's worth giving up everything for. Here's a few things that I believe what can ha- what God can do in our church here in, in the coming years. I believe that, that we are when we pursue that kingdom of heaven. I believe that we're going to fill this place multiple times on a Sunday. Maybe we'll have to even go to a different day sometime. I believe that we're going to fill this place because people are hungry for something more. They're hungry for something greater. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that that our church in, in the coming years we're not just going to support missionaries, but we're going to send missionaries. We're going to have people who are called uh, into the missions, into the ministry, right here at this altar. I believe that. I believe We're going to, we're going to take missions trips. We're going to do all. I believe those things. I believe that, that when there's a crisis in our city, that the first, person, first people that people look to is going to be this church. Because we have the reputation that we love God, love people, and share Christ. And in, in our city's darkest moments and people's darkest times, they're going to, they're going to turn to us. They're going to turn to our church. They're going to turn to our people because they said there's something different about them. I believe that. See, I believe that that we will be directed by the Holy Spirit, that that there's going to be people just, you know, driving by, and the Holy Spirit's going to lead them into this place. They're not even sure why they're here, but they know there's something different. They're going to experience from the very first handshake when they walk in just the presence of God because the presence of God will be on this place, and not just on this place, but in his people. It's going to be in his church. And so when you're out in the community, people are going to notice there's something different about you. I, I want what you've got. Because you're going to be using the, the presence of God when you're working, when, you, when you're at school, when uh, you know, you're, you're just at home, when, when you're at the, the gym, all these different places. People are going to notice there's something different about these people. Because we're going to be people of his spirit who know God's voice and rely on his leading. See, I believe that God's going to use this church not simply to make converts, but to make disciples. I believe that, right? It's not just going to be a raising of a hand, but it's going to be their lives are forever changed, and We're going to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And it's just going to continue to grow and continue to spread because the kingdom of heaven is valuable. See, I believe that God can use his church, that God can use this church to change our community and to change this world, I believe. And again, that's why I stand here in front of you today, because I believe that the kingdom of heaven is so valuable, it's worth giving up everything for. It's worth giving up everything for. Let's pray. Jesus, God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for what you're doing, God, in this church. We, we don't know exactly where you're going to take us, but God, we know that, that you've got good plans in store, that you've got good things, God, that you want to see more people come into the kingdom of heaven, God, that you want the kingdom of heaven to be obvious to everybody who walks into our towns and into our cities and into our homes and to our schools and to our workplaces, that that you are the only way. God, we believe that today. We believe for greater things. You're not done with us yet. It's Lord, we stand before you today. God, we just pray that you would move in a powerful way in this place. God, that your presence would be in this place, that we would be a people of your presence wherever we go. Make us new. God, help us to be willing to be all in today. Whatever you speak, may we follow. God, may we listen. May we not go without your presence today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Stand with